0: You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. I'm so happy to have you with us today. We're going to have a wonderful time today. Listen, I'm in my leadership edition of the How to Win because God wants us to win as leaders. I believe that God has prepared me to help you. Whether you have aspirations of being a leader, maybe you're not a leader, but you have these aspirations of becoming a leader one day, I believe God has prepared me to help you. Maybe you're at a new leadership role. This is your first time leading. I want to help you. Or maybe you're an advanced, experienced leader. We can always grow, can't we? We can always grow in our leadership capacity. I want to help you. In this season of my life, God spoke to me and said, "Expect to coach and to mentor. I want to coach you. I want to I want to mentor you." And these leadership episodes are based off biblical principles. We believe that the word of God is the answer for leadership too. Now, I've been teaching a powerful series entitled leading yourself leading yourself is the first step to successfully leading other people we're in the we're in this series, the third part of the series, there are four parts to this series. We covered part one where we talked about personal or self-awareness. Then we covered the second part where we talked about personal integrity. And now we're talking about personal discipline. And we're going to conclude this third part of the series, Leading Yourself personal discipline. This is our third and final lesson on this third part. In lesson one, we talked about commitment. In lesson two, we talked about distractions. We said that there are two character traits of self-discipline leaders, we said that self-disciplined leaders embrace the concept of commitment. That's why we did a whole episode on commitment. We also said that the second character trait of a self-disciplined leader is that self-disciplined leaders are not easily distracted. You've got to go back and listen to this last episode. We talked about distractions, and distractions are Everywhere, I mean everywhere, you're going to have to overcome the distractions if you're going to succeed as a leader. Today, in this last lesson on personal discipline, we're going to talk about developing self-discipline, developing self-discipline. Self-discipline is something that we can develop. So I'm going to take the scenic route. I believe you're going to get something out of this today. I believe you're going to be blessed. But let's go back. Let's answer some questions. Let's go back to our definitions. What is Discipline, And I gave you three definitions. I want to review those definitions. Number one, self-discipline is the ability to make yourself do things you have to do when you ought to do them, whether you like it or not. Self-discipline is the ability to make yourself do the thing you have to do when it ought to be done, whether you like it or not. Secondly, self-discipline is the strength to not do the thing you want to do that contradict godly values and hinder you from fulfilling your destiny. There are some things that will contradict your godly values and hinder you from fulfilling your destiny journey. Then thirdly, self-discipline is the ability to resist impulses, maintain focus, and see projects through to completion. Those are our definitions. And remember, whenever I give you multiple definitions, it's because I'm introducing you to different shades, facets, and different emphasis on a word. So we have a broader understanding of self-discipline. I didn't answer the question I did indirectly, but I didn't directly answer the question why is self discipline important? I'd give you three reasons why self discipline is important. Number one, self discipline allows the leader or helps the leader to stay in control of themselves. Self discipline helps us to stay in control. Of ourselves. Control self, control self, control self. Remember 1 Corinthians 9 27, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he says, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached the gospel to others, I myself become disqualified. Notice, Controlling myself. Self-discipline helps me, helps you as a leader to control yourself. Secondly, self-discipline is important because self-discipline helps us to focus on our goals. Focus on our goals. Keeps us from being distracted. We have decided we're going this way. We have decided we want to achieve this. So self-discipline helps us to focus on our goals. Now notice self-discipline helps us to control self, control self. Self Self-discipline helps us to focus on our goals. So we got self and goals. And then thirdly, self-discipline. Helps us or creates for us credibility with our teams and followers when we ask them to do hard things. Self discipline creates credibility, helps us to have credibility with our teams and with our followers when we ask them to do hard things. Think about that for a moment. Self-discipline has to do with controlling us, us. Self-discipline has to do with us focusing on goals, our goals. But thirdly, self-discipline gives us credibility with our followers, with our team so that when we ask them to do hard things, we'll have credibility because they have seen us do hard things. They have seen us discipline ourselves, so now we have credibility Well, we challenge them to do some difficult, hard things. I'm reminded of a text in Luke chapter 22, verse 44 in the New King James Version. It says, at being in agony, he, referring to Jesus, prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great. Drops of blood fall into the ground. This is a reference to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's before his great trial and crucifixion. He's in great intense prayer. And he says, Father, if there's any way that you can remove this cup, is there any way that we can offer a sacrifice without me being separated from you? Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want for me. Not my will, but your will. Intense prayer. It required great discipline. I don't think Jesus was afraid of crucifixion, although it was one of the most painful, cruelest kind of death. But Jesus was a confident leader. He was bold. I think it had more to do with the fact that to take on our sins on the cross, he had to be separated from his Father. And I believe that's why he was so intense in prayer. Is there another way we can do this? Is there another way we can win them back without me being separated from you? Remember on that cross? He said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The disciples were in that garden, even though they were falling asleep and and but they remember, and I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit brought that back to their remembrance that intense time of prayer and uh, the trial and the crucifixion, I'm quite sure that the Holy Spirit brought back to the disciples' consciousness after the resurrection what Jesus sacrificed, what he went through, the self-discipline that he demonstrated. It gave Jesus credibility. And when those disciples were going through difficult times, they could reference what their leader had went through. You see, self-discipline gives us credibility with our teams. Self-discipline gives us credibility with our followers so that they know that we're not asking them to do something that we're not willing to take on ourselves. So self-discipline helps us to stay in control of ourselves. Self-discipline helps us to focus on our goals. And then self-discipline creates credibility for us with our teams, with our followers. Now. What areas, what are, what are the areas successful leaders practice self-discipline? What areas? I want to give you a biblical text, and then I want to look at some of the areas that we must practice self-discipline. And your self-discipline they can be developed, but I want to look at a text. In Matthew 26, the 26th chapter, verses 49 through 51 in the New Living Translation. It says, So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he he exclaimed and gave him the kiss. Jesus said, My friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out a sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. You remember that text. When you read several Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you compare the text, we can see that this Text have to do with the arrest of Jesus and the trial of Jesus, before the trial of Jesus, and before his crucifixion. Judas had entered into a conspiracy. Judas was one of the 12 disciples. He had entered into a cons- conspiracy to betray Jesus for coins, for silver, for money. So he had gone with the religious leaders, He informed them about where Jesus normally hung out in this garden. And he informed them that they could arrest him without the crowds being around. And he gave the religious leaders and the soldiers a sign that this is Jesus. He said, I'm going to give him a kiss. It was the kiss, this text says. It was the kiss of betrayal. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He betrayed someone who for three and a half years had been a provider, a protector, a guide, a mentor, a coach, someone who had endeared himself, exposed himself, someone who had coached and mentored him, he betrayed him with a kiss. He came up to Jesus and he gave him a kiss, which was a greeting. It was a a greeting that symbolizes friendship and closeness and warmth. He gave him a kiss, and Jesus responded with the words, friend. Think about that. Do what you came to do. They arrested Jesus and being one of the disciples, and we know who that was because the scripture tells us it was Peter. He pulled out a sword, cut off, the ear of one of the high priest's servants, and Jesus rebuked Peter, said, Put up that sword. Those who live by the sword would die by the sword. He reprimanded Peter. He said, Peter, don't you realize I could call 12 legions of angels? And then he reached down, grabbed the ear that had been cut off, and placed it back on the servant's head and brought supernatural healing and a miracle of restoration to the man who had his ear amputated by a sword, healed him. Now, in this text, we find several things, and I want to add some things to the areas that successful leaders practice self-discipline. Number one, self-discipline. Successful leaders practice self-discipline in the control of their emotions, their emotions. If you're going to be a successful leader, you have to practice controlling your emotions. We're emotional beings. We have an emotion and a will. God created us to have emotions, but he intended for us to manage our emotions and not our emotions manage us. So think about it. Here, Judas, one of the 12, he had been selected to the highest place in leadership under Jesus as an apostle. And here, this person that you've invested, selected, chosen, invested in, betrays you with a kid. What, now follow me, through empathy, what would you have felt if someone that you were very close to and you had supported and you had helped, they betrayed you with a kiss, a symbol of friendship, what would you feel? You would feel anger, you would feel betrayal, you will feel a sense of disloyalty that the person is disloyal. You you may have some serious hate emotions flowing through you. But now notice Jesus, because he came as a man, probably felt all the emotions that you and I would feel. But notice he controlled his emotions. That's self-discipline when he wanted to. You know, i put you in there, I put me in there. When we wanted to curse and we wanted to slap him down, we wanted to tell him off, he said, friend. Richard has said, friend, friend. Notice he's reacting in love, but to do that, he had to control his emotions. You have to control your emotions because there will be times that you will feel ungodly emotions. A second area where leaders control themselves or exercise or practice self-discipline, and that is watching their words. Think about all the leaders we've seen. In fact, we could include ourselves. Think about all the times we've seen someone apologize for what they said. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry for what I said. I didn't say it right, or that wasn't what I meant. There have been times I've said things it wasn't the right way to say it. And maybe, you know, maybe you've said some things. That's where self-discipline comes in. You can't say everything that comes to your mind. You just can't say it. So, so many people, leaders have lost their work, lost their job, lost their position, lost their leadership stewardship because of words saying the wrong thing the wrong thing so great leaders practice self discipline in watching their words thirdly restraining their reactions restraining their reactions practice restraining their reactions Matthew 5 44 says that we're to love our enemies. Yes, enemies. Bless those who curse us. Yes, those who speak evil of us, we're to bless them. Do good to those who hate us. Wow, those who hate you, we're to react by doing good to them. Pray for them that despitefully use you. That's reacting in love. Does discipline leaders practice? their reaction. Why? Because if Jesus cannot overcome you or beat you or win over you in your actions, he wants you to react wrong. You can become wrong when you were right. You were right and then reacted wrong, and then you became wrong. Think about that for a minute. Number four, successful leaders practice self-discipline, And here's some practical areas. Now, they practice self-discipline by sticking to their schedule, sticking to their schedule. They have a schedule, and they practice self-discipline. They don't let requests guide them. They prioritize their schedule and they stick to their schedule. You're never going to be successful as a leader if you don't have a schedule. And then secondly, you won't be successful if you don't stick to your schedule. Now, there's always some built-in flexibility, but it's a waste of time to create a schedule and then ignore it. There's another way that successful leaders practice self-discipline, and that is the management of their money, managing your money. And that's on a personal side and a corporate side. And the truth of the matter is if you're undisciplined in the management of your money in your personal life, guess what? When it comes to group leadership where you're leading a group, Maybe you're a pastor or maybe you're a leader of a minister or you have your own business. You won't manage money in a corporate way if you don't manage it in your personal life. Right. Well, next to last, uh, uh, successful leaders practice self-discipline and maintaining their health. And i tell you, that's, that's tough right there, especially the older you get. I'm 68. Never had a weight problem, but the as I've aged, I have to watch my stomach. My daughter the other day patted me on my stomach because my stomach was sticking out there. And I'm telling you, I don't work out as much as I did when I was in athletics when I was younger. So it's requiring more self-discipline. Oh, I want another piece of that cake. I want another slice of that pie. You, and if, uh, and if, if you're not exercising as diligent, then that cake and that pie just slides down to your middle section. But as you practice self-discipline, then you will maintain your health through changing your nutritional habits. Okay, and then finally, successful leaders practice self-discipline in their priorities. God is first. Your spouse is second if you're married. Your children is third, and then you just go down the ladder of your dis- your priorities. And I understand that if you're going to be successful in an integrated life, and we talked about that in our last episode then you're going to have to practice self-discipline in your priorities. Let everything be done decently, in order. And it took me a few years to get a handle on God wanted me to have an integrated life and an abundant life is a full life. It's not just work. It's not just children. It's not just your spouse. It's not just your career, but it's an integrated life where you're successful in all arenas of your life, and it requires some self-discipline when it comes to your priorities. As I close this lesson and and close this part, I want to mention the two solutions to self-discipline. I believe that there are two solutions, and I know we could spend a long time on these, but I think we've covered enough territory in this area. I believe that there's a natural side to self-discipline, a natural side. And I want to throw this out at you. Maybe you need a coach, C-O-A-C-H. Maybe you need a coach. Many successful people, whether it's athletics or entertainment or music or whatever field they're in, they have a coach. Successful leaders usually have a coach. In fact, I'm praying for a coach in a certain area right now. I think sometimes we need a coach because a coach will hold the leader to a high standard Full accountability in the area where the person wants to develop self-discipline. So there's a natural side. Sometimes you have to invest some money in a coach, someone that can hold you to, someone that can push you in a certain area, a coach. And then thirdly, pardon me, secondly, I believe that there's a spiritual side to self-discipline, and this is so very important. And I call this side. I can define a describe this side in one word, and that's grace. G-R-A-C-E. It's gonna take more than willpower to be a disciplined leader. It's gonna take more than that. It's gonna take grace. It's gonna take God giving you the supernatural strength, the supernatural ability, the supernatural power. We talked about having the ability to do what you have to do when you have to do it, whether you like it or not. That's where you're gonna to have to ask God to give you grace. And then we talked about it is the 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 uh, power uh, to resist impulses, maintain focus, see projects through, you need grace to do that. And we we, we talked about it, it it is the power to not do what you want to do that will hinder you from fulfilling your destiny, that will contradict your godly values, you need grace You need the spirit of God to quicken his power in your life. You're never going to be successful as a leader and have an integrated life without the grace of God. James 4, 6 says, listen at this, but he gives more grace. Therefore, what he says God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Think about that. He gives grace. If you feel like you can do it on your own, you could be a successful leader. And there are many people who feel that they don't need God, and they're they're what the world calls successful. And they don't believe in God, don't care about God, don't care about the word, don't care about church, don't even believe in that. And we call them successful. No, no, no. They are successful according to the world standards, but they're not living an abundant life. They're not living an integrated life. If you look in the lives, deep into the lives of those inov- individuals, sometimes we know the spiritual side is missing, but think about the, the weight of it on their minds. Some of those individuals are full of worry and anxiety and depression and and they got to keep themselves medicated in order to survive. Some of those same people are suicidal. Not all of them, but some of them are suicidal. Some of them have gone through multiple divorces and children not good relationship. Why? Because that's not an integrated life. When you're working 20 hours a day, there's something going missing. You're not spending the kind of time you with your spouse. You're not spending the kind of time with your children, your priorities are also not spending much time with God. So it's not an integrated life. So sometimes you see these people, you think they're so successful, and they are in one area. Maybe their career, maybe they got money, maybe they have wealth, but that's not an integrated life. That's just a... In fact, I mentioned that workaholism is a symptom of an undisciplined life. So, listen, the only way you're going to live the quality of life, the integrated life, the abundant life, is you're going to have to ask God to give you the grace, the supernatural ability that only He can give that will help accentuate your intelligence, your physical energies, and all those things that will give you supernatural creativity. Only that can come through the grace of God because sometimes you can be a shining star, but when the grace of God is on your life, you'll have longevity, longevity, longevity. Now, this conclude our third part of leading yourself. We're almost there. We have one more part. We've talked about personal self-awareness. We've talked about personal integrity we talked about personal discipline or self discipline the last part that we're going to begin in our next episode is personal growth successful leaders are growing people they uh, embrace the concept of growth and we're going to talk about it in that our next episode listen i'm so glad you spent this time with me thank you for taking this journey of this leadership journey with me, and I'll see you next time in our next episode. Oh, oh,